This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. This is the Mercado and Manning podcast where we talk about TV. Andrew Mercado, great to see you in the flesh. Hi, James. A, a podcast where you're actually sitting opposite me. Yeah, it's uh, pretty weird, isn't it? It's been... Um, well, we're, we're, I'm on location in Newcastle, yep. downtown Islington. Yep, hoping that the rain isn't going to fall down again at any moment. Yeah, it's been a bit of a respite. Gee, it's been bucketing down for a few weeks here, but um, navigated the um, freeway up here today, and it's, it's really great to be here in person. Um, we've got a fair bit to talk about today, a lot to get through. Um, probably wanted to start with something you wrote about recently. Uh, like is, is it the first major Aussie drama of the year, Tropo? Well, it's the first one on free-to-air TV. I mean, we've got Stan, we've had a few on Stan this year, a few streaming Australian dramas, but Tropo is the first Australian drama on free-to-air TV this week. And, of course, we know now that we, we see a lot less local drama on TV now. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to like it and I wanted to love it and say it was great, but, gee, I was left pretty cold after the first episode of Tropo. It just didn't give me that... It didn't hook me. I didn't go, yeah, this is great. I love these characters. I want to know more. I just watched the first episode. And particularly as a Queenslander, I didn't feel that it captured what far north Queensland is like. Uh, and I'm yet to really see a show that captures what it's what it's like up there. But this one certainly didn't capture it for me at all. You know, mm. I was just watching the lead actress and they make a big deal about the fact that she's wearing a trench coat and boots and all this in the heat and she's riding a bicycle everywhere. And I'm going, you couldn't do that in the middle of summer. You know, it's just, I just can't disassociate things like that from it. And I wasn't particularly... Um, caught up in the mystery of it. I'm, it I'm really disappointed. Was it an electric bike too? It looked to me like it was sort of... Well, it'd have to be because she do, she doesn't like to get into cars with people, so right. she goes everywhere on the bike. Like, it's, it's a very strange mix of characters and situations. Yeah, I mean, it's set in far north Queensland. It's the story of a disgraced ex-cop, um, Ted, persuaded by Amanda, an eccentric private investigator... And tattoo artist. Yes. Which I thought was... It just seemed weird. She'd be sitting in there giving herself tattoos as if it was some sort of therapy. Yeah, and operating and, out the back of a pub and... Mm, yeah. Mm. And she left home at one stage but then just went up to the tattoo parlour and gave herself a tattoo. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that um, that lead guy, he's played by American actor Thomas Jane. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I just... And so they're this, they become this odd couple team of private investigators, and I really didn't buy it. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I, mean, I mean, it had, it's got some great credentials in terms of the people working on the production. I mean, Jocelyn Morehouse was the director of, of at least that first episode. I mean, she's got an incredible body of work. She sure does. Our series producers, Carl Zwicky, yep. who's certainly been around, you know, for quite a while. I'm thinking he did a lot of work on McLeod's Daughters, if I'm not wrong. He's been he around involved forever. Involved in the underbellies. Yeah. I think he directed a lot of Home and Away episodes yeah, too. Yeah, I think he, I think he, he might have sure. been Heartbreak High too. Okay. Yeah, yep, that yep. was one of his um, first big shows. Michael Borgland, uh, Greg Quayle, a part of the um, 
are among the executive producers. They know what they're doing. Sally Riley at the ABC. Yep. So, you know, maybe this series might sort of grow on me. I've only dipped into that first episode so far, but the colours looked a little bit flat for me for what it was... For well, for a Jocelyn, Jocelyn Morehouse yeah, production, for what it, it looked, could have been in that lush yeah, greenery of yeah. uh, far north Queensland, maybe I was I was expecting um, a, a little bit more. Yeah, but um, yeah, but uh, and and someone who cropped up in that first episode, I'm pretty sure it's him. The vet, did you spot the who, who played the vet, Ian McFadgen? The um, no, I missed that. The creator of the oh, comedy company. Oh, oh yeah, right. Um, who hasn't been doing? Who doesn't do a lot of work these days? No, but um, yeah, he was he was there as the vet. The preview for episode two suggested there were some other great actors still to come. Angel Punch McGregor, I saw um, Damien Garvey, who's always magnificent in everything he does. Yeah. Um, but again, I I don't. It's not top of my list to watch that second episode. And you know what? I often say to people, sometimes you need to watch two episodes of something to really get what they're going on about. And so maybe I will uh, promise to watch a second episode before I write it off. Yeah, okay, so that's Troppo. Uh, something, so that's on the ABC. I yep. think all the episodes I'm pretty sure are on iView or are they dropping one No, they're all week? there, I think. I think you watch the whole thing on iView now. Okay. Something else coming to iView, it's um, The Teacher. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a four-part UK drama, um, Sheridan Smith. And it's from Channel 5. Yes. And so this is why Neighbours has been axed. When we when you break <laughs> well, it down... it's not her fault. It's not, no, it's not. But, I mean, this is the type of thing. Channel 5 now want to make their own dramas and they want to sell them to the rest of the world. And you can sort of see now why they're adopting this business model because this is the future. I mean, they could be spending all this money making Neighbours and not being able to sell it around the world or they can make shows like... The teacher was Sheridan Smith, and boom, it's it's going to start travelling. So, you know, I think that the success of shows like this has certainly led to the demise of Neighbours. And I've watched the first episode of it. It's going to be a Friday night drama here on the ABC. Sheridan Smith's magnificent. I mean, we saw her playing Scylla Black in that miniseries, and she was also in... She also played Ronald Biggs' wife, right. yeah. who was here in Australia, right? Yeah, that was the first time I think a lot of us yeah. came across Was her. that show called Mrs Biggs? Actually, I think it was. Yeah, I think it? it was too. Yes. That was yeah, the first yeah, yeah. time I saw her. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, I watched her do a COVID uh, isolation drama at the... You know, it was one of the first dramas made there. And she plays a very uh, tragic character in this one. She's a teacher. She's a great teacher. Um, the students like her, but uh, she's got some issues. And she goes out and gets blackout drunk. <laughs> and, uh, of course, after one of these blackout drunk events, uh, it's uh, suggested to her that maybe she has interfered with one of her students. And the whole thing goes very wrong from that point. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that 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 she's um, well, she's a good teacher, but she has a a um, what would you call her uh, private life encroaches on her abilities to be that good teacher, I guess. Yeah, she doesn't. She seem wakes to ha- up, doesn't know where she is yeah. at times. Probably can't remember who she's been in bed with. Yeah. Um, gets to work with a shock and hangover. And when, and when you see that. 
you see bits and pieces of her home life and the relationship with her parents. And yep. You go, okay, so there's some trauma there. Mm. I know why you're drinking like this, but uh, yeah, you are. Uh, she, she, well, the problem for her when she gets acu- accused of this crime is she can't remember because you're so bloody drunk. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I'll definitely watch the whole thing. Yeah, and the program makers don't leave it. They don't show you exactly what happened. No. Right? So you think, oh, well, maybe that she has had a, a liaison with one of the pupils, yeah. but you don't actually see it happen. Yeah, yeah. So you're left in doubt as well. Yeah. Which... um I think which the viewer likes because yeah. you're there watching the story unfold. That's and you'll, right. You'll probably learn a little bit more about what actually happens every episode. Um, so that's great. Yeah, I was just looking up um, that um, – was it Mrs. Biggs? I'm just Mrs. Looking. Biggs, Sheridan Smith. Um, yeah, Mrs. Biggs. Yeah, there you uh, go. Back in 2012, that was, five episodes, Charmaine Biggs. That's right. She actually did a fair bit of work before that. She was in Scylla. Yeah. Bef- that was actually – oh, no, sorry, that was two years after Mrs. Biggs uh, played Scylla Black. Yeah, that that was um, – really, she's done, done a lot of stuff since then. Um, she was in a cleaning – she played a cleaner. I think it was called Cleaning Up. Yes. Um, she played a cleaner. Um, she was a voice in Thunderbirds I Go. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, yep, she's done a, a lot of work. So, yeah, I think we both recommend that one. Totally. The Teacher. Something uh, on the day we're recording this, Byron Bay's has been released on Netflix, um, a reality show. Look, a lot of controversy around when this was this commission was first announced. People at Byron Bay thought, oh, no, look, we don't want some cliche-ridden reality show to give us, you know, throw a bit of mud at us. You Mm. know, we're already getting sort of, you know, a bad rap from a lot of people who fly in from out Mm. of town. I thought they were a bit snobby about it. Yeah. The attitude for me from the locals was, come on, it's it's just a TV show. I mean, back off a little bit. And you can't welcome dramas to be made there. I mean, they've made Eden there and Nine Perfect Strangers. You can't say we're quite happy to welcome Mm. film and TV production to here, but, oh, no, we don't want the trashy reality show. You can't separate it like that. It's all or nothing. Yeah. You want want, um, work in your area and you want locals to work, then let them make a trashy reality show. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Mm. I'm probably inter- interested to see. I haven't been able to get a screener yet, but I'm interested to watch one episode. I don't know if I'd be on journey for the whole lot. Yeah, I'm not target audience. I'm not <laughs> going to like this show. But there was a quote in TV Week that I really loved, James. So one of the participants is uh, Nathan Favreau, and he was in The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Okay. And he tells TV Week, um, I wasn't ready for it mentally, and he developed social anxiety. Well, the good news is he appears to have recovered from it because he then goes on to say, <laughs> when we're talking an Australian network or global Netflix, I know which one I'd rather be on. So good on you, Nathan. It's great to see that uh, going with an international network will fix your mental health problems and nothing bad will ever happen to you again instead of just a Australian network. Wow, hey? Yeah. That's what he said. Um, the I, I read and I... I re- presume it's accurate that the series actually filmed a lot of it up on the um, Sunshine Coast. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's right, but it sounds a bit weird. But you could understand it why they just 
thought, oh, look, it's just getting too hard for us here in Byron. We might shoot some exteriors here and then... Well, the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast up around Montville and Mullaney could double for Byron Bay hinterland. Sure. If that's the vibe they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, there was a piece in the Daily Mail that I tracked my attention yesterday. It's something about the cast were well paid, but it didn't have too many details of sort of salary, but it said they were getting, I think, just below $500 for their per DMs. Um, so that that's the daily allowance, which seems a generous daily, but it's probably not a lot if you're not getting much else. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes we hear that figure being thrown around uh, as a weekly wage for some of the other reality okay. shows. Yeah. So that's why it's a that's a pretty good day rate as compared mm. to what has been suggested as a weekly rate sometimes in the past. Yeah, and I guess the people on the program will think it will enhance their profiles. Of course. A lot of them, I guess, are what we might loosely call influencers. Yep, yep. And if you can get on TV, it might boost your numbers and your commercial viability for Correct. Um, people who go looking for influencers to help them sell their products. Also on Netflix this week or in the last few days anyway, Joe versus Carol. No, it's on Stan. It's on Stan, sorry, yeah. Stan. Joe versus Carol is, uh, of course, about Joe Exotic. Now, see, the documentary about Joe Exotic was on Netflix. Now we have okay. the dramatisation yeah. on Stan. It's an American show, but it's been made here in Australia. Uh, John Cameron Mitchell plays Joe Exotic and Kate McKinnon, Saturday Night Live, comedian plays carol baskin she's one of the executive producers and i've watched the first episode and i've got to say like i watched all of joe exotic right you know and it's not like these people are very likable they're all awful people it doesn't matter whether you're you're abusing the animals or trying to protect the animals i don't think any of them are really really great people um and I'm not quite sure that I'm going to go back to Joe and Carol because I feel like I've seen it all already. And what I'm now getting is this kind of dramatisation, particularly with Kate McKinnon's interpretation of Carol Baskin, which is sort of to play it like it's a comedy role. And I'm not quite sure that the tone's right and not quite convinced it's very good at all. Right, yeah, because I was never... I was never involved. The, the whole story never got me in. I I watched maybe one episode of yeah. the Netflix um, series. And, again, I thought that was sort of enough for me. And I've got sort of zero interest in this. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of – it does pique my interest a little bit, but, but um, yeah, probably not enough to devote my uh, time to it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't so you're think it's out. great. I'm out. You're out, Okay. Um, now, this one is on Netflix, and I watched the first episode just yesterday. It's a spin-off of um, Vikings. It's called Vikings Valhalla. Right. So what do we – when you say spin-off, is it sequel or prequel? Sequel, but it's 100 years ah, ahead. Okay. And these are the sort of um, the grandsons, the great-grandsons of the characters in the original. Yep. Um and the thing that interested me after I checked the cast, the guy called Sam Corlett is an Aussie actor. 
from the Central Coast. Again. Yeah. So, of course, we had Travis Fimmel in the first one, Aussie actor. Correct. Can we not make a Viking? Is that a rule now that you can't make a Viking show without an Aussie? Well, it's probably a good rule because he was a great success. Yeah, of course, true. In all the, the many series of Vikings they did. Um, this is a bit like Vikings: The Next Gen. They're all they seem a little bit younger as well, right? Um, maybe to, to a, appeal to a bit more of a youthful audience. Yep. I don't know how much young people are going to get into the Vikings myth of a saga or whatever. But the first but, Viking show was hugely popular, right? It had a huge fan yeah. base, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was originally commissioned for the History Channel in the US. Um, and this one's been um, snapped up by oh, is it Viking. I, I think it's Netflix globally. I'm not sure about that now, to be honest. It's certainly Netflix in um, most parts of the world. I think it's Netflix Global Commission, I guess, uh, created by a guy called Jeb Stewart. Yep. Um, who's the sort of creative driving force behind this. Um, yeah, said 100 years after the original. It starts off in England. Yeah. Um, and there's, as you'd expect, there's a, a bit of... Um, a bit of a fight scene, a few deaths. Um, it doesn't seem quite as um, violently as explicit ah. as the. Uh, as you remember, I used to bang on at length about how it was just always on the edge for me about watching what happens. I mean, there's a probably a, a young kid of about eight or nine cops an arrow in the back here pretty early on, but it's not. It's not. You not don't graphic. See, his head's not lopped off or yeah, anything. Right. It's not. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it's set in England. The Vikings have established, you know, they're part of the fabric in, I think, what was we call it, Saxon England. Um, they haven't really assimilated. They're just still like foreigners, but they live alongside yep. a lot of the English people. But the king at the time decides it's about, we're talking about uh, 1000 AD. Yep. And the king makes an announcement that, look, no, we decided we're going to chuck out all the Vikings and we're going to kill them, all the ones that we can. And so he's part of his guard are Vikings and he summons them to this meeting. He says, oh, look, I've got a big announcement. And they turn up and go, oh, look, are you okay? Is there anything we can do to protect you? They don't know what's going to happen. And he, he reads out this edict and they're sitting there looking stunned and all these English guards walk out of the um, background with their crossbows and bang, they're all gone. Wow. So that's a lot of that sort of what might have been potential main cast are gone before you've even got past the credits. <laughs> wow. Um, and then the rest of the thing plays out from that. A lot of Vikings then get out of England and make it back to Norway yep. and the word spreads about this massacre that um, has taken place. Um now, they call it the beginning of the end of the Viking Age marked by the, they call it the Battle for Stamford Bridge in which 1066, which is a pretty big year in British history. Anyway. Well, if that's the final Viking battle, no wonder the Vikings are a bit younger now. They've got to squeeze every last <laughs> bit out of the franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. But, uh, yeah, I found it quite entertaining. I thought it was pretty good. So I enjoyed that. Um, the, I, I can still remember the first episode of the original Vikings. Yep, I, I remember watching the first series of Vikings. Yeah, and it just doesn't seem not as much happened in that first... Well, I guess what I've just described, it was a pretty big turning point, wasn't it, I guess? So it'd be interesting to see how the next few episodes pan out. They establish those main characters yep. um, and, and see where it goes. But, yeah, that's all up on... Um, 
all up on Netflix, and I'll certainly be watching, um, you know, at least the next. I think they've commissioned two seasons. Okay. Already, and I think the first ep- uh, first eight episodes are up there now. Uh, Minx oh. is a show we want to talk about. Do we ever? I can't wait to see this one. Now, we the um, explainer is neither of us has yet to watch an episode because the, the screen is lit for us to watch literally game in overnight yeah, so we and just you've got to time. apply to the u.s distributor yeah. to get access um i've done that and yet to hear back how i my code to, to watch that is but this is going to be on hbo max in the u.s it's been made for them by Lionsgate. yep and so who's going to have a dan stan right stan has it here so, yeah, look, it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's about uh, a magazine. It's an erotic magazine for women. Yeah, right. Basically the idea in the 70s. So you likened it to... Paper Giants. Yeah, so it's got a bit of that retro feel about it, right? Yeah, the, the one image I've seen from it that came on that email overnight was uh, uh, a whole bunch of people looking at a male centrefold. So to me, it sort of made me think that... Could it be roughly based on Cosmopolitan, which was started by Helen Gurley Brown and which then inspired Clio magazine here in Australia with Ita Buttrose at the helm? Um, whatever. I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I love anything set in the 70s and uh, throwing a bit of erotica in it. It's also probably going to have a, li- a bit... It's got that vibe of The Juice, yep. the oh, D-E-U-C-E, which is one of my favourite HBO shows. David... Uh, David Simon's show about that was set in uh, Times Square, New York in the 70s. Uh, yeah, Minx, that is going to be top of my list to watch. Yeah. Um, and something else I'm looking forward to, and it's a little bit further off, and I don't know a lot about it, but just the, the title gets me in, a TV series, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah, right. Um, you mean like the David Bowie movie from the 70s? Well... Was that based on the um, the nineteen sixty three novel of the same Had name? I think be. it was. Yes, wasn't it? absolutely. Yeah. It was based on. A so novel. yeah. So presumably, I mean, as you can say, I don't know a lot about it. Bill Nye is in it. I know that much. Right. Good. Um, but it just sounds fascinating, you know. And I, I'm re- really looking forward to that. Um, so Chiwetel Ejiofor. And I know I've probably mispronounced his name, but he's a fantastic actor. He was in 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. um, And Naomi Harris are the two main actors. And also I noticed Rob Delaney in there. He was the guy from Catastrophe. Yes. With Sharon Horgan. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think this this sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, the future of the planet is in the hands of an alien who arrives on Earth at a pivotal moment in history. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the Bowie. Movie that was made was it Nicholas Roge made that? Ah, uh, yes, it I was. Think he directed yeah, very, that, very good. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something else that's on Stan and that's prequel is on Paramount Plus is the Yellowstone franchise. Yes, right. Uh, which is, I think, it's been doing very well. It's been doing Stan. really well. So many people are talking about it, James. So many of my friends are watching it. They're obsessed with it. They love it. Yeah, uh, Kevin Costner, of course, yes. is a big attraction in that. Yep. Because um, his career was sort of ebbed a bit as a movie star, hadn't it? You know, he, the, I mean, he, he couldn't be hotter than Kevin Costner back in the day. Yeah. So Yellowstone, huge success for Stan. Huge. But because of the 
right deals. I think it's part of the what was Viacom CBS family. Stan bought it yep. with an old deal. Yep. The prequel now, because they, Viacom CBS, now called Paramount, owns Network 10. Yep. And has the Paramount Plus streaming platform, they're able to have that on the platform in Australia. So that's been, I think, a driver for Paramount Plus is that everybody, all Stan subscribers who love that show, now have a good reason to pay some money for Paramount Plus as well to watch the prequel, 1883. Now, one of the reasons that I didn't watch Yellowstone and and still haven't watched it is because I thought it was going to be a modern, even a Western, a modern Western. And someone said to me recently, get over that. You should actually think of it as being the new Dallas. And that did pique okay. my interest. But 1883 is a Western. Is it Sam Elliott's in it? So this is very much we are back into the Old West. And I thought it was really interesting that the, I think, Debbie Enker in The Age compared it recently. She reviewed 1883 alongside The Gilded Age because The Gilded Age is set in 1882 (laughs) in the upper echelons of New York society. And then you've got... 1883, the Old West, and she was saying, oh, please, could there be a crossover? I'd just love to see one of those <laughs> those two characters meet up. But, yeah, interesting that there's two shows set in the same era. Yeah, yeah. The um, I've All I've done with Yellowstone is watch that first episode. Right. And I was just, it good? Uh, it was okay. Right. But when you say Dallas, that resonates with me. It had a bit of that sort of glossy... Yeah. Um, nothing too deep. Yeah. Um, but potentially fascinating relationships yeah. between the families and the characters. It's incredibly popular. Lots and lots of people are speaking to me about it. Yeah. But um, you're right. It's very much a Western 1883. Uh, I think it's the same creative Taylor Sheridan, who's, well, kicking some amazing goals with these two series. Yep. Doing fantastically well. And it's an interesting cast because you mentioned Sam Elliott, but I think Tim McGraw and Faith Hill uh, are Husband also, and wife. Yeah, are also in it. Right. Of course, country music stars. Um, so that would have brought in a a big fan following yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. They'd be fascinated. I think both of them might have had a, a small part in Yellowstone. And he got slammed recently, Sam Elliott, on Ooh, social media he because he, he said he didn't like the power of the <laughs> dog and sort of was a bit uh, disrespectful, I thought, to uh, director Jane Campion, said, what are you doing making a show in New Zealand? Why are all the cowboys running around with their shirts off? He didn't like the homoerotic side of it. It's like, wow, Sam, you know, not every Western has to be the same, buddy. Yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah, it was interesting. I just said, you know, there was a recent um, episode of Graham Norton. Yeah. Um, who's the Oscar nominated star of Power Benedict of the Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch was yeah. on. Yeah, so that was a good. And he talked a lot about. I think it's going to show. win Academy Awards. Yeah. I think The Power of the Dog will do really well at the Oscars. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating movie. He talked about he talked about working in New Zealand and Jane Campion organised for him to go and spend a few months just living in um, Montana. Yeah, right. On a ranch. There you go. Living the lifestyle to really get into the character. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. And then back into New Zealand to, <laughs> yeah. to actually make the movie. 
Uh, something that a couple of people have said to me about the power of the dog is that it, that they have thought about it for weeks and weeks afterwards. And uh, the other actor in that that could well win an Academy Award is uh, young Australian Cody Smith McPhee. Okay, I'd say he, there, there's a real certainty there. I think he won this. He won an award recently. Maybe it was a SAG. Okay, uh, for best supporting actor. So he's definitely uh, in the running. And that you can watch that on Netflix now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a film I'd really like to watch again. Yeah, me too. too. And um, with my eyes open, because I'm sure I missed a lot of subtleties in it. Um, Yeah, but 1883, just getting back to that, yeah, look, it was, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to have the time to get into that. And um, Yellowstone's up to it's up to four seasons. seasons. Jackie Weaver's in the latest series. It's a lot of TV, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, it's a lot. 1883, I think they've finished the first season, perhaps, or they're, they're still working through it. Yeah. That's sort of wrapped. I'm, I presume they've commissioned a second season because it's um, been such a hit for them. So, yeah, that's so... Yellowstone, of course, on Stan. Stan. The prequel is 1883. Now, I think there's a couple more spin-offs too, actually. Well, 1883's on Paramount Plus, right? Yeah, but I think that from Yellowstone they've got some... There's maybe even another two more. They're talking oh, about right. another two potential spin-offs. Maybe even... Um, so what do we say? Maybe a sequel to Yellowstone and then an 1883 spin-off separately. So they might end up being four separate. Well, that's what you do when you get a hit. I mean, Dallas spun off Knott's Landing. When you when yeah, you strike when you strike gold, you keep digging. Just keep milking it, eh? <laughs> yeah. Just keep milking it. Um, now something else new, Shining Veil. Yeah. Coming now. Is this on binge? It is on binge. Yeah, I found it last night on my Foxtel IQ, the first two episodes to watch. They're half-hour episodes. It's Courtney Cox and Greg Kinnear. Uh, They've got two teenage kids. There's been an incident in New York. The family is in trouble. The marriage uh, has hit a snag. So they move to this old house uh, in the country. Uh, the real estate agent, I was going, who is that? Who is <laughs> I have to grab the IMDB and look it up? Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks. Audrey. Oh, wow. And I love her so much. And uh, then we start seeing that this is, that the house could be haunted. And there's uh, Mira Sorvino as one of the ghosts. So look, I- I'm a bit confused by the tone. I can't quite figure out yet whether it's meant to be a horror or a comedy, um, and Courtney Cox's character is pretty uh, unhappy and a little bit brittle, which I wasn't uh, expecting. Um, but, you know, that cast uh, has got me in, so I will uh, continue to watch that. The first, the, the second episode ended, and I was like, I've got to watch another one. That said on the, the Foxtel box that there was a third episode there, and when I went to watch it, it was like, oh, no, here you go. Record this on Wednesday the 16th of March. It's like, don't tease me i wanted it now <laughs> yeah so it can be a bit confusing with binge too but i presume it's also on foxtel yeah so if you you haven't got to subscribe to both yeah to watch this show and sometimes we are um slave to schedules in the u.s you know sometimes these shows are still airing weekly in the u.s certainly that's the hbo model and i think I actually see it happening a bit more now because I think we've talked about this before. If you dump all your episodes in one weekend and everybody watches it, it's over in one weekend. Whereas if you 
drag it out week by week. You get that buzz going and people, you know, the anticipation builds. And, and I think it keeps you in the conversation a little bit longer. Yeah. I just want to do a bit of a shout-out to a couple of returning series. These aren't new by any stretch. Um, probably the newest of them is Killing Eve. Yeah, the fourth and final series. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely unwatchable rubbish for me now. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, <laughs> I watched the first episode and thought, oh, yeah, and then I watched the second episode. It's Jumped the Shark. I'm pretty sure it's Jumped the Shark before, but now You're it's... You're talking about the second episode, season four. Yeah, yeah. Killing Eve. So uh, Villana is... Uh, she's trying to redeem herself by joining a Christian group and trying not to kill people because she's found God, but she starts hallucinating that there's this... Jesus, who's her, dressed up like a drag king, and she's talking to this Jesus version of herself like she's having a mental breakdown, and I'm like, sorry, what the hell is going on now? I've got no idea what's going on with the plot anymore. It's something about the 12. There's this group of assassins, and everyone's running around, killing each other, still trying to find out who the assassins are. It makes... No sense to me at all now. I put it on. I went about my day. I continued to work. I glanced up at it every now and then and went, absolute rubbish. Well, there's a quote for the poster, isn't it? (laughs) Unwatchable rubbish. Ah, ah. I thought I might have been a bit harsh by saying, look, it's more style and substance. But yeah, gee, where's that it's to... real style now. I don't, I don't think it's got, I don't know what it's trying to say anymore. Mm. I mean, some people just love it because uh, Jodie Comer is such a great actress and she's so hilarious in that role, as is Sandra Oh. But, like, seriously, I can't figure out what's happening anymore. It's just indecipherable. Yeah, well, that first episode, the... If you think back to how the series started, the roles are flipped, aren't they? Because yes. somebody, one of the one of the main characters, turns up on a motorbike. You can't tell who. Got the helmet on, you know, acting very cool. I think they pull a pistol. Yeah. Uh, walk inside, and oh, what do you know? It's Eve. Yeah. You know, and then yeah, then Joe and um, Villeneuve's in a a church. You know, oh no. All done up in a sort of a choir outfit. Um, quite you know, choral. Garb, uh, yeah, um, singing. You know what? When a supervillain finds religion, the show <laughs> is jumping the shark. I'll always remember uh, in Dynasty after the Moldavian wedding massacre, uh, and Alexis dressed up like a nun to get across the border, and everyone was like, "Please, this show's just jumped the shark." <laughs> you can't have Joan Collins in a nun's habit. Yeah, no. All right, so that's that's up on. Um I um, view as well. Yeah. I think back in the day... Week this, by week. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Back in the day, though, I think this was the series they almost launched iView with and they put all the episodes up. Did they? I've got a feeling. Oh. Would that be... Well, but the that first... sound right? I, mm. but that's my memory anyway, that that was... I don't think when so. When I first... But first... Or maybe it's the first time I thought, oh, gee... Here's the point of iView. Maybe. Look, the show's was they only started making the show in 2018. Yeah. It's only four years old. Now, he's, yeah. he's been around a lot longer. But oh, it might okay. have been one of those shows that they put up there that you could have binged all at once. Right. You know, they were airing it week yeah, by week on the be. ABC, okay. but all the episodes were there if you wanted to do it, which is a reasonably recent development. Right. Okay. Okay. 
All righty. Now, the, yeah, the other shows, um, another program into its fourth season, and I don't think this is its final, is Unforgotten. Yep. Um, shout out to all the Nicola Walker fans around the world. Um, her alone makes this one worth worth watching. Yep. Um, gee, she's busy. She must she must crank out a lot of TV because um, obviously that people know that she brings an audience to a program, so they keep giving her work. But um, Sanjeev, um, is it Baskar? Baskar? Baskar um, is her sort of... There, there are a couple of uh, invest, police investigators in this, uh, detective inspectors. Yep. And, um, yeah, look, this started back in uh, 2015. They don't do one every year, 2015, 2017, 2018, so were two successive years there. And now um, this one went out... I think late in 2021 in the UK. We're getting it here now. But it's a good little um, British crime drama. Yeah. And you can do a lot worse. And, and uh, that'd do well on the ABC. When do they screen that? On a Friday night, a Saturday night? I'm afraid you're going to ask me that. I think it's Saturday. Right. From memory. Um, but again, it's uh, up on iView. I think it'll probably. It'll probably be the um, where most people will get to watch it these days. Um, so, yeah, look, Nicola Walker, uh, most recently in Annika, um, six episodes, which I really love, that sort of uh, another UK crime, crime drama set in uh, Glasgow. Yep. She was also a key part of The Split, uh, played probably the key character, Harriet Stern, in that 12 episodes. Um, she was in Collateral. Um, and what's the other? I always forget. And she Last was in Tango in Halifax. Last Tango in Halifax. That's yeah. where I know her from. Yeah. Yeah, so but a lot of people love the split too. Oh yeah, that's yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Unforgotten. Are we saying unforgiven? It's unforgotten. Oh, I, did I say unforgiven? Yeah, unforgotten. Oh. It is. It's a western, is it? Unforgiven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, glad. Good pickup. Good pickup. Something else coming back now. This time for series nine, and this isn't everybody's cup of tea. It's a classic sort of. It's an old folks. And I qualify these days. Uh, UK drama series Father Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. There was. Did you see? There was even a Father Brown in the Mardi Gras on Saturday night. Oh, was he it? got his close up on uh, TV too? I think Casey Donovan ran over and interviewed him. Yeah, there was just a guy riding his bike around the SCG dressed up like <laughs> Father Brown. <laughs> so oh, he's fantastic. got some gay fans. That's yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, fantastic. Huh? Yeah, look, Mark Williams portrays the uh, lead character, Father Brown, based on short stories by G.K. Chesterton. And the thing always surprises me, and I've known this for a long time, but it reminds me all the time, this is a daytime drama in the UK. Yeah. You know, they still commission daytime dramas. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I've just spent a bit of time in the UK recently. There's some great TV. Yeah, they love that. In the UK, which is made especially for, for daytime. And do you remember the American version of A Priest? It starred the dad from Happy Days. It was Father Dowling Mysteries. Right, yes. And it was um, Tom Bosley. That's right. And I think he had some (laughs) connection with Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. I think they used to do crossovers and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. Mark Williams, of course, was a very key character in um, the Harry Potter franchise. Oh, right. And he was in all, I think, all seven, was it seven movies? Yep. Yeah, I think so. He's he's got just the following from that, I guess, is, you know, those people have... I think big Harry Potter fans love watching that cast True. in other things. Yeah. So that would bring a big audience with it. 
Um, look, that's probably... I haven't got much else for well, me I wanted, this way. If we're talking British TV, I want to talk about Anne, which oh, is yes. uh, beginning on BBC okay. first. And this is... Uh, uh, in the lead role, Maxine Peake, who is another one of my favourite actresses from the UK. She's right up there with Saran Jones for me. Ooh. If Maxine Peake's in a show, I'm going to watch it. Yep. And she plays uh, a real-life woman, and whose son is killed in the Hillsborough disaster. You don't see it happen. It happens off-screen. Um, but you, she becomes one of those uh, families who uh, is demanding justice and trying to get the truth about what happened. How did that crush happen? Who was to blame? You know, as we know from that, you know, that uh, they tried to blame the fans, they tried to blame it on hooliganism and the fans were drunk and, and all of this. But it's a four-part series. I watched it in one day, James, beginning to end. It's the most incredible performance and she's the most incredible uh, character because she just refuses to give up uh, uh, it, it, it causes some stress in her family life but she's just determined to fight for justice and then you get to the end of it and you think oh well there's some justice now isn't there and you realise there still isn't justice as to what happened for those families still traumatised so this will begin on BBC First on Sunday night uh, absolutely it's going to be March 13 if yeah. you're watching this in a, yeah. a different week so it'll Simple. be Anne, not another version of Anne Boleyn, but uh, absolutely heartbreaking real-life drama. Because that Hillsborough tragedy is something that's just spooked Liverpool yeah. and the north of England generally for, for decades since it's happened. Well, there's that great story that they don't, they don't sell the sun in Liverpool mm. anymore because of the Sun was leading that story about the fans being responsible for their own deaths and the town turned on the newspaper. And a few years back I noticed a new supermarket chain started off in Liverpool and they started stocking the Sun and this huge social media campaign, get that newspaper out of the store or we won't shop there, and they removed it. Is that covered in the series? No, the, the they... Press they specifically they do mention they talk about it and at one stage uh, somebody says particularly the sun so they do reference it but they don't talk about the fact that the town turned on the paper and they literally don't sell that newspaper in the town of Liverpool anymore right Quite incredible okay. people okay. Uh, action there voting yeah um, I don't know a lot about um, Maxine it's Maxine Peake. Maxine Peake. Look, she was in a show. Something and, called The Village? Oh, The Village was this BBC show. That was show. historical, wasn't it? Oh, it was, yeah, it was so fantastic, so underrated. It was meant to go for about five series, but it didn't rate and they mm. cancelled it after two series. Okay. But she was uh, living on this village and she had a couple of kids and they were doing it really rough. You know, they were basically living hand to mouth and the husband was played by John Sim and he was trying to work the land and the land was full of rocks and they were really struggling and there's, I've never forgotten this moment in it James the son gets sent off to war World War I and he comes back 
shell-shocked mm. and he's having this nervous breakdown and he goes missing and this guy from the army comes to the farm to look for her and the mother goes out to say, I don't know where he is, and this army guy punches her in the jaw and says, where's your son? I'm going to say, and he punches her. And it's so horrific uh, the way that she's treated in this. I actually looked it up because watching Maxine Peake reminded me of it and you can watch it on Apple TV, it looks like, here in Australia. Oh, really? And I remember thinking to myself, I would watch that show again. It was fantastic. It was It was about a village in the early... 20th century and it was meant to go from 1914 to 1920 but it only ended up the first two series but it was outstanding and she is incredible now she was also in the legal drama silk yes uh, mid 2010 yep i think that was and something i'm don't know this, but I've just had a, a quick look online. The bisexual yes. comedy drama. Yeah, yeah, she don't know was much in that. About that but, yeah, um, I saw a bit of that. I think it's on Stan, actually. Oh, really? It might have oh, been, good, or I'm okay. confusing it with something else that was there. Well, if you've put her in Saran Jones territory, I I've, do put I've her there. Certainly got to yeah. get my act together and investigate it. If you a watch Anne. You'll get exactly what I mean about her. She's spellbinding. Yeah, yeah. She's she's right up there with like the greatest UK actresses working today. Yeah, well, that's just gone out in the UK and it's got a lot of press. A I lot of people were writing about that yeah. and um, bringing up that you know recounting the harrowing um, what happened you know to, yeah. to the people. Who, there's who there's clearly been match. some terrible cover-up of uh, the failures of what's going on. Yeah, and the pl- a lot of police were culpable as well. Yeah, and, and they just treat them like, oh, you're just mm, football fans from mm, a football club we don't like very much, yeah. so we don't care about you. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, just quickly, I'll finish a couple of things. Uh, a filming, interesting commission from Nine and Stan yeah. called Bali 2000. Yeah, doesn't that look great? yeah. So that that'll be fascinating. I think they're going to they're aiming to get that on TV later this year, right? So that it's I'm I'm not sure how Nine will be involved apart from this part of the same company with Stan. They're calling it a co-commission. Yeah. So whether it'll get to air on Nine after Stan gets the first run, that seems to be the plan with all the dramas coming out from the Nine group. If you like, Stan will now be the place these are um, premiered, which is the trend. Around the world now, right? Yeah, they're not really uh, answering that question. If mm. it's a Nine and Stan co-production, clearly it's going to screen on Nine at some point. But they don't want to say that because they want to drive subscription to Stan. But it's an expensive miniseries. I understand why they're doing it. And look, we're going to see Five Bedrooms on Channel 10 later this year, which is a show that's been you know, supposedly screening exclusively on Paramount Plus, but for free-to-wear people who aren't signing up, they've got to wait, but they'll eventually, they'll see it. And look, yesterday I noticed that Satisfaction, a drama that was made for Foxtel, an Australian drama, that was the one set in the brothel with uh, Madeline West, and uh, it's on Nine Now to watch for free. So eventually everything that is supposedly made for a streaming service, if you stick around and wait long enough, you'll you'll find it for free eventually somewhere, I reckon. And just a quick note, then, plug for a podcast we did last year, Aftertaste. Oh, yeah. They're now filming second season. Yeah, fantastic. Um, that's the Eric Thompson one where he plays that's the, the chef. One. Yeah, yeah. And we had a little, um, you and I were joined on a podcast by, um, by Eric and I think it was Matthew Bate. Yeah. The co-creator. That's right. 
and the four of us had a chat about that season. It was a really quirky little um, sort of comedy, comedy drama in a way, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I wasn't liked it. It, it, it. I think it was right up there with Fisk as one of uh, yeah. the best comedies that the ABC had last year. Yeah, and Gene, I saw some ratings for programs last year. Fisk did so well in it did audience well, numbers as well. It yeah. Just, uh, did fantastic business. So those, it's good to see those little there. If you get an Aussie sort of sitcom, aren't they really? Yeah. There's yeah. still a place for that. Yeah, if absolutely. You, if you can get it right. And they, I think both of them were reasonably small budgets. Yeah. Probably spent more on aftertaste than they did on Fisk, <laughs> I'm guessing. They, oh, they would have for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's, there's still a place for them and the, good to see the ABC can make them work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll sign off by saying there's a couple of CNN documentaries that I've been watching that have been great. There's the story of Late Night, which has been on SBS On Demand. It's on SBS on a Sunday night. It's the history of The Tonight Show, oh. Johnny Carson, David Letterman, but it goes into the people before them, the first ones. So Jack they're screening that. I noticed not all the Sunday night in the US docos get it screened here but this one is this one's here i've oh, seen fantastic. the first three eps i've just watched the episode where joan rivers you know was going up against johnny carson it's so fantastic the the early footage of the the talk show host before johnny carson the ones that invented the format i found that really really interesting and i've noticed another cnn doco that i've been waiting to come and it is going to be on Fox Docos tonight, and it's the Jackie Collins story. You know, sister of Joan, novelist. She wrote Hollywood Wives and a stack of novels. And uh, you know, it was so shocking when she died without any warning. Yeah. And, oh, and I can't terrible. wait to see yeah. her life story. I met her once on the Carrie Ann show. She was uh, co-hosting, <laughs> and um, there was this story about the TV adaptation of Hollywood Wives. And I said to her in the commercial break, I said, you once said that one of the actors in the show was playing themselves and they don't know it. And I said, if I can guess it in one, will you tell me if I'm right? And she said, yeah, go on then. And I said it and she said, correct. And I'm not going to say who it was. I'm going to respect her privacy. Yeah. But I was so thrilled that I got it right because there are about two or three people where you could have gone, oh, yeah, they might be playing themselves but okay. hilarious to think that that person was playing themselves and st maybe still doesn't know to this day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now you've raised CNN. A couple of quick things from me. I'm, I just found their coverage of the war in um, Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine, so compelling. Yeah, wow. Um, they're doing some great work there, as is the BBC. And Sky UK. Yeah. I've been flicking between three of those channels and um, I, I got to speak to Michael Holmes, one of the... CNN Aussie anchors. There's a whole team of Aussies that work out of Atlanta and he does a lot of foreign correspondent work and I spoke to him from Lviv last week. Yeah. Because I'd never request that to think, well, you don't want to encroach on these people, but I just said to someone, look, isn't he doing a great job? And they said, oh, by the way, do you want to chat to him? Wow. So, yeah, I, I got him on the phone for a little bit. So that's up on the Media Week website. Look for that. And Stanley Tucci, his... Um, He's searching oh, for Italy series. Yeah, so oh, my goodness. How, I think there's two seasons now. Yeah, right. Your How, wife would love that one, uh, wouldn't she? Well, get this. <laughs> She's going to Stanley Tucci. <laughs> He's on tour in the UK. She'll be in the crowd for his Manchester show. That's in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, right. So she's obsessed with him, of yeah. course. Um, but, yeah, look, that that is a fantastic series. Yeah. But he, he's living in the UK now, I think. He's sort of relocated there. And um, he's got a cookbook out. And he's, yep. he's just, yeah, he's just got this whole other sort of um, 
what do you call it, arm leg to his career. Yeah, not know, just making just movies, a, dipping yeah. his toe in everywhere. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so some great work from there from CNN. Look, I think that's it. Look, we'll wind this one up, Andrew. Great to be in Newcastle. Great to be with you in person. Thank you. Good great to, to see, see our dogs getting on so well together. Hasn't, yes. Hasn't been any barking. Well, they haven't made any noise. We're terrified <laughs> they'd be smashing on the doors trying to get in here, but they're good. <laughs> good stuff. Okay, thank you, and we'll uh, do this again soon. Thanks, James.